Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. So today's budget day, and we thought that it would be a good idea to talk about liberal schemes because liberal budgets tend to come with these grandiose, amazing promises that sound really progressive. Things like basic income, like a child care benefit, like pharmacare, like free tuition. But when you look a little bit closer at these policies, time and time again, you find out that there is a lot of fine print that amounts to not a good policy. So, Nora and I uh, have quite the history of uh, critiquing some of these bullshit schemes of the liberals. And so we're going to do that for you tonight on Ontario Better Day. <laughs> uh, we we used to spend budget day locked up going through <laughs> the numbers. I, screaming it's nice at each other. Screaming at each other without cell phones and <laughs> running around wondering what happened to the snacks that they provided the year before. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to smoke us out. <laughs> what one of the one of the things that I I will never forget is the experience that you and I had uh, when they announced the thirty off tuition uh, scheme. Oh God! Maybe we should go back and talk about how, that that process of trying to understand that thirty off plan uh, that became the forerunner of the free tuition scheme. Yeah. And that that was a plan where it had seemed like finally, after years and years of organizing, of research, of policy submissions, that maybe, just maybe, we using our amazingly rational arguments and drive for progressive change <laughs> had convinced someone, somewhere, to draft a policy where tuition fees would be reduced by 30%. Sadly, uh, we realized that this was not the case. The Liberals had, instead of doing what would have been more cost-effective and more beneficial to everyone in the system, which would have been to reduce tuition fees by 30%, as they said they did, they didn't reduce tuition fees at all. In fact, tuition fees continued to go up from the time that that policy was announced in, what, 2011, 2012, to today. Tuition fees are, are about 3000 more today than they were at that time. So what did they do? Well, they, they announced a grant uh, that was supposedly equal to 30%. Okay, you might be saying, well, that makes sense. Isn't that the same thing? Well, no, because the grant had a whole bunch of hoops that students had to jump through to prove their eligibility for getting this magical grant that at the end of the day, when we finally did all the calculations in that room, wasn't even 30% of tuition fees. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yet, you know, they put this out And this is uh, one of the the reasons why this works so well for the liberals is, and I feel like this is a growing theme on this uh, podcast, Nora, uh, you know, uh, our critique of media. But the, the, so the liberals put this out as we have reduced tuition fees by 30%. And the media takes that and says the liberals have reduced tuition fees by 30%. 
and the students are screaming, no, no, they didn't. (laughs) And that somehow gets lost in the sauce and the liberals uh, are able to say, we're progressive, we did this wonderful thing and and the students look irrational. Or selfish or greedy. The, the, that, that helps to explain then what happened with the free tuition announcement, which is effectively the same thing, that rather than a grant covering 30% uh, of an average tuition level, uh, this grant is now going to try and cover a larger portion of tuition fees for low-income students. And, um, you know, it, it, the effect, you might think the effect is the same. Uh, if you're a low-income student, you're not paying for your higher education. But the the reality is, is it actually shifts public funding from the institution that would get funding from the government based on a formula, based on the number of students that they have, to an individual grant that the student then can shop around to different institutions while providing the cover for institutions like the University of Toronto or Queen's or Western to actually become private institutions and move uh, ever closer to the American model that many Ontarians are familiar with. It's clever. <laughs> it's very clever. And it's like and and, and this is going to be a theme in in our critique of these schemes, which is that uh, you know, the liberals are seeming to give away money to people who need it, but it has no bearing on whether or not that money is actually going to be able to have an effect on their ability to afford what it is that they need to afford, whether right. that be education, whether that be the basic income measure uh, or whatever else. Um, and on top of that, these schemes are strangely expensive to run because and if we take the tuition fee one as an example, there has to be an entire bureaucracy set up to making sure that these students are eligible. So for the 30% off uh, tuition that they had announced back when that we're talking about, um, there were all sorts of hoops. You had to be a full-time student. Part-time students weren't eligible. Mature students weren't eligible. You had to have graduated high school within a certain amount of time. Graduate students weren't eligible. Uh, Students in professional programs weren't eligible for like 30%. They could still get some amount, but it wasn't going to be 30. Parents had to be making less than uh, $100,000 a year, no matter how many kids they had. All these different tests that needed to be done. And then on top of all of that, the student had to be savvy enough to know the information uh, in order to apply. It was opt-in. It wasn't automatic. There was no automatic reduction in tuition fees. And all when all was said and done and we looked at the numbers afterwards on the uptake, the uptake was abysmal. And that was the point. Well, and and the impact that it has on activism is is really important, right? Like these are kinds of arguments that that you and I and other student activists have made for for many many years and tried to explain this to to you know the general public or to journalists or whatever. But from a point of view of a of an activist, it is so difficult when you have to explain your cause using like like a flow chart like am i a, a am i poor yes am i poor enough no uh do i have dependents you know like it 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 actually is so clever uh on so many levels because it crushes the opposition that can be built around a system of let's say free higher education because you have folks like bob ray or alex usher who will say well 
uh, you have free education. And what those people are calling for is for free education for the rich. And, and then you're like, what the hell are you talking about? But, you know, it takes like 10 minutes to even get to that point, And then you've already lost someone's you know attention unless you're listening to this podcast and you're smart enough to know that you got to listen longer than 10 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Yeah. And then and then, you know, and then again, you have the whole media acting against you because they often take the the um, whatever the headline is in the press release that the government is releasing and they're putting that out as truth. And then so, you know, we're we're doing the job of trying to to run around and, and get into the media and say, no, this is not exactly how it is. Um, and then, you know, you're, you're trying to undo something that's already been spread by four o'clock on budget day. Uh, one by one and it's uh, it's it's you know you're up against something uh, that's really difficult but it's like you know there are clues obviously students are still uh, going into massive amounts of debt and today with the budget uh, it was announced that uh, there were some new measures announced for the Ontario Student Assistance Plan which is that students wouldn't have to pay back their their loans uh, until they were making at least $35,000 a year, mm -hmm. which, you know, if tuition fees had been going down by 30% and then free for the last, what, 10 years now or almost 10 years it's been, um, that would be a really weird promise. But obviously none of that's true. And that also sounds really good. But we don't we don't know anything more about this promise. And if it was like the promise that was made previously, uh, that students wouldn't have to pay until they were making $25,000 or more, well, interest continues to accrue. And so it's still, interest continues to accrue on the, on the principal amount of debt that students have. And so it's still, at the end of the day, disadvantages uh, poor students uh, when compared with their wealthier counterparts. And, and actually disadvantages them in a very pernicious way in that they're, they're told that, that they can go to school and afford it <laughs> and then find out later that they couldn't. Yeah. It, it, it makes me think actually a lot about the childcare system in Quebec, which had been introduced by uh, the, the Parti Québécois at $5 a day. And then the Parti Québécois increased that rate to $7 a day. Then they increased it to seven thirty. And then the, the liberals came in and were like, no, we're going to totally tier this to your income, which sounds great because you want low income people to be able to have cheaper access than upper income people. The problem, though, is it's always retroactive. So if you uh, ma made one amount of money one year and a different amount of money next year, you have no idea what you're paying. And at the end of the day, you still have to, if you're in the private system, you still have to pay, right? So, so yeah, so I have to fork over $22,000 a year for childcare. That's I will get outrageous. <laughs> that is outrageous. I know. I know. I'll get some of that back. I've done my taxes. I will get I uh, I don't know how much of it's related to childcare, how much is related to other issues in my taxes. I'll get about $13,000 back. But I have to front that money. You still need and, that money at some point. And I need that. So, like, so these measures are announced as like these grand things that are going to provide accessibility and equity for people who are uh, low income, who are living in poverty. However, if you don't have $22,000 uh, to spend over the course of the year, well, you're not going to get that tax benefit anyway. And you need to figure out another way to take care of your kids. Now, and this is in a province that has a system. Right. So you can you can, you know, uh, transfer this to any other province in, in Canada where like I have fallen through the cracks in the system because I have twins, because uh, I don't have a car, so I can't really go anywhere. So th those have been limiting factors. But if I lived in Ontario, 
uh, I would be paying this and maybe more, uh, and I'd be expected to pay it up front as well. Th this is the classic debate between, I would say, liberals and actually progressive people. You can call them social democrats or, or members of the NDP or socialists, but like a universal program has to be a universal program. It has to be universally applied because otherwise people are going to fall through the cracks. And that sows disenfranchisement, that blocks people from having access. And it actually uh, further entrenches uh, inequality, racism, white supremacy, everything within the system that we have that uh, we apparently are enlightened enough to try and fight against, but we're not <laughs> fighting against it. No. And I think that that's a good segue into uh, the universal basic income because this is this is something that has been announced in Ontario as a pilot program that's going to run in Hamilton, Lindsay, and Thunder Bay. And on the face of it, again, like these other liberal schemes that we've just talked about, it sounds great. the The liberals are going to ensure that and you know to to read one headline that doesn't quite get it right that everyone's going to make at least get at least seventeen thousand dollars in in these places where where these uh where this pilot program is going to be run however <laughs> there is as uh, we've been talking about um a lot that sits behind the scenes that doesn't seem quite obvious right away but when you delve into it, essentially the universal basic income, and we'll explain this, but it's it's kind of paid for by those poor people in part, um, uh, ends up being a ridiculous tax on the poor that won't do anything uh, to make sure that there's a level, a more level playing field. It's not going to address poverty overall. But what it does do is sound really great before an election year. Yeah. So if you if you are one of the four thousand people selected to get the basic income, uh, you will be given this money that's seventeen thousand dollars for a single person, something like twenty six thousand dollars for a family, uh, and then any money you make above that, you'll be taxed at fifty percent. Fifty percent clawback <laughs> on your wages in order to partially pay for the program <laughs> it's just 50% tax on your wages like and of course they're they're bringing this in they're not making fixes to uh other rates social social welfare rates that need to be increased like ODSP or Ontario Works they're not addressing other critical issues um and uh if you're outside of this 4,000 people you're SOL which of course stands for shit out of luck and so but and, and here's the thing again right that we were just talking about with respect to the child care if the costs of what people need to purchase uh, that puts them in poverty, if those costs go up, there is nothing that guarantees that the basic income measure that you're receiving is going to be enough to cover the costs, the basic needs that you have in your life. Like, let's take a look at the housing crisis right now in Toronto, for example. Um, a $17,000 basic income, sure, that sounds really good. But if housing, if the housing market is climbing like it is, having um, this ridiculous effect on rents that it is, like the rental prices have just skyrocketed. So if you, so, you know, say you get this uh, basic income measure, but the housing market is going wild like it is right now, what is that going to do for you? It's not tied to anything. What would make more sense is to invest in affordable housing or a housing program 
if you're if the cost of medications is going to go up, it would make more sense to invest in a pharmacare program. If the cost of childcare is going to go up, it makes more sense to invest in this program because that's the only thing that ensures that people will be able to access it based on their need. Yeah. Like obviously, having a blanket <laughs> amount of money does not doesn't do anything. Um, and especially since it will probably just have the effect of having an inflationary rise of cost across the system, if it is indeed applied across the system, which is like so unlikely unless they get rid of a bunch of social programs. Well, they, they have to, because if they were to apply the pilot project to the entire province, uh, it would be too costly. It would be way too costly. So something has to give. And they're obviously thinking about uh, how to roll programs together. We're seeing that in higher education. One of the ways that they kind of created this grant for the free tuition promise was that they rolled a whole bunch of programs together. Now, in higher education, those programs were not long-standing programs. So, in a lot of cases, they were kind of half half-cooked programs or harebrained schemes that the liberals themselves had come up with, like the textbook credit. Um, the textbook credit did give uh, students, though, access to money on the back end uh, to be able to afford their, their textbooks. That's gone now. So the difference, though, in basic income is that this very well could be replacing a lot of social services and social supports that have been fought for and won by working people over like a century. It's one thing for progressive people to say, yes, everyone should have a guaranteed income, a citizen income or whatever you want to call it. But it's a totally different thing to cheer on the liberals for just giving Ontarians something. Like, when was the last time that something good was was not won, but just handed to you by by the Liberal Party of Canada? Like, that's that's not how it happens. Not even gay marriage happened that way. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing that frustrates me so much about elections is because, you know, the liberals come around and they promise heaven and earth and everyone forgets that the last time that they promised heaven and earth, uh, it wasn't exactly heaven and earth. It was like, um, I don't know. Purgatory. <laughs> Purgatory. I was going to I was trying to think of like a really not lovely place to be, but. Purgatory works. It's like I, I think purgatory sucked. <laughs> it's like it's like purgatory. And then what does this do? Uh, you know, for people who are racialized, who have disabilities, folks who are indigenous, who are already um, so reliant on uh, uh, the social services that are provided because of the way uh, that the system works to make sure that there are haves and have-nots. It's just going to make it worse for those people. Well, and, and that's a, I, one of the questions that I had uh, is uh, with Indigenous people, if they are caught between uh, federal and provincial funding programs, like, mm. you know, that that's mm -hmm. a whole other question that, you know, of the 4,000 people in the pilot project, are there going to be uh, ways to get around to allow for people who might have services from the federal government uh, be included on the Ontario pilot or is it like so many issues in this country oh your federal responsibility uh, you know even though you might be living in Thunder Bay you are still registered uh, on reserve and therefore ineligible right like there's so many slimy schemey ways that they can uh, make people ineligible that uh, that this is what progressive people need to be looking at right now and what communities who are who are organizing and, and you know, groups like OCAP, of course, are doing this this work right now. Uh, but you have to keep your eye on the ball and, and, and follow it. 
Exactly. Like, when the when the ball bounces weirdly, like you gotta <laughs> you gotta you gotta follow it. You can't just be like, this is great. As as unfortunately, I've seen a lot of progressive people say, this is great. This is a first step. It's like, no, we don't we don't get first steps if they aren't one. <laughs> <laughs> Period. Yeah. yeah, and then that brings us to today, which is budget day where we have an announcement of uh, pharma, well, okay, not pharmacare. What they have announced is that there will be a free drug program for people 24 and younger mm-hmm. uh, in the province. And this, of course, comes after the NDP have resolved to, in the next election, uh, promise, if elected, uh, to implement Canada's first universal pharmacare program holy holy fuck ndp why didn't you do that 15 years ago (laughs) well and then you know this is a this is really important actually because the liberals are doing that they're trying to implement some sort of version of a progressive policy because uh the ndp is being bold in in their promise to to really push things to the left and you know Nora and I have had many conversations about this and and we say that this should continue (laughs) because what it does is it pulls the center left and we want that to continue to happen so NDP um, good move on the on the pharmacare let's have some more of that yeah more we want yeah, more. yeah, no, that's and, and that's and that's what's so critical in all of these issues, right? And 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 also why I'm very skeptical of the basic income because, like, uh, free tuition's funny because it's co-opting language of of this of the movements calling for free tuition, right? It's co- it's co-opting student activism language. The basic income is so clearly a, a wolf in sheep's clothing that, like, it, you know, the, there it, it there's a reason why that's been. Um, used to try and avert uh, everyone's eyes away from the minimum wage and the changing workplaces review. And so if the NDP, uh, if the NDP can figure out how to come up with a platform that is uh, like unflinchingly left, that the liberals can't schemingly slimily eel their way around and and then confuse the hell out of people that is so super critical but you know and it's going to be interesting to see in the next few days how um like like we said at the top of uh, this uh, of this podcast we would be running around to the media trying to debunk what what uh, whatever promises were made on in, in a post-secondary education file. Now it's going to be up to the the NDP to try to debunk the promises that are made under this uh, under this like drug plan that's happening. And you know I don't I don't know too much about what's uh, currently available through the Ontario Drug Benefit, but I am seeing on my social media a lot of um, concern that this uh, this expenditure towards this you know. You know, weirdly 24 and younger <laughs> age group uh, is is actually probably not going to affect many people at all and is probably going to make the system worse. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, you can think that in in a group of people from zero to twenty four, that's that's kind of divided in two. You've got like true dependents who are like kids, and then teenagers, and then you have adults who remain dependents until twenty five. Very often, if their parents have uh, extended drug coverage, so um, you know, there's a lot of questions that that immediately come to my mind, like. Uh, can you opt out? Can you like can can employers opt their employees out of these plans if the employer is paying for a portion of them uh, to then have the government pick up the tab? 
uh, or is this, or is this, as you say, like, you know, knowing the patterns of the 18 to 24 year old health plan user, you know, a, a good chunk of those of those folks would would opt out of the student plans because they were still covered in their parents' uh, plan. Uh, not everyone who still was covered would opt out because you know they'd missed the deadline or whatever. And then it tended to leave people who uh, either uh, had parents who didn't have a health plan or who were too old. So uh, that's a small group of people. It's 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 going to help people, which is important. But it's. Um, you know, I, I immediately think of the fact that Bill Morneau, a federal finance minister and, and liberal, is, of course, an insurance guy. So, like, the, these folks are, are they have in, insiders in the, in the industry in their party. And um, this is not, you know, they didn't pick this age group by accident. And uh, but there's also a huge uh, spending on the side of hospitals. Right. Because any drug that you're accessing through OHIP. Uh, or through in Quebec, the RAMQ or whatever, or like when you're in the hospital, you're getting this stuff paid for by the state. And part of a pharmacare program is to also is to is to not not just provide people access to to drug coverage, which is important, but it's to also f- like realize economies of scale to purchase a lot of these 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 drugs. So um, it's it's again, it's too bad because if you had a proper pharmacare program like what the NDP is calling for and and you know the party I'm a member of Quebec Solidaire has been calling for this for a, a while there are ways to save money this actually isn't uh, an expensive social program uh, once it's up and running but it is weird uh, the way that they have put it forward uh, which is likely causing other red flags for other folks who hopefully mm-hmm. we'll hear from in the next couple of days and I'll just mention this isn't necessarily a scheme but it kind of is but it's just like it's just like this uh, I just I'm always railing against liberals because I just don't fucking get it like everything has to be some sort of stupid fucking half measure like I'm really fucking annoyed about this the the way that they're quote unquote legalizing marijuana <laughs> right like, right like it's a, it's another like weird fucking thing where they're going to you know leave all of these people who, you know, are mostly racialized, black, indigenous people who have entered the criminal justice system because of the way that uh, governments of the past have decided to criminalize um, this drug. And they're just going to leave them there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to leave them there. Even though we know we have admitted that this is nuts, that this is crazy. And put more people in between now and then. Yes. Yes. Before, before, like, we're going to continue to criminalize it. We're going to continue to make sure that we're, you know, stopping criminal activity. I, I remember I read, I read um, a quote on it, like, where, you know, Justin Trudeau has this whatever the fuck with Vice. Right. Uh, where, you know, someone asks him, you know, why, why aren't you decriminalizing it? And, and part of the, the quote in the article that I was reading was that they didn't want these criminal organizations to uh, to just roam free. Well, it's like they, they wouldn't be criminal. <laughs> right. They wouldn't be fucking criminal if you were decriminalizing. Like, what is what are you doing? What is the fucking? Oh, my God. But it's, you know, the the white folks who have set up the new like marijuana economy aren't gonna see the same type of criminalization um that black and indigenous people and racialized people have seen uh through 
the the criminalization of this drug from over the last uh, you know uh, criminalization and crackdown on this drug over the last twenty plus years. Oh yeah, well there was actually a really excellent article in the Walrus uh, January February issue I think about the history of Canada's drug laws and how connected they were to racism. Uh, specifically in uh, in Vancouver and against Chinese people mm-hmm, living in mm-hmm, Vancouver, mm-hmm. and and so yeah yeah the origins of our drug policy are racist and we are in a racist society and and this is the impact that it has and the you know people see this like people live this people lose friends or have family who are incarcerated because of this it's it's like not a joke and it's not a game for them. And the way that the liberals are, are acting, it it's like they're just creating a boutique industry for their friends. And and, and quite literally, that is in some cases what they're doing, because there's a lot of, of ex-liberal uh, politicians and, and, and bureaucrats who are all behind a lot of these big marijuana companies. But it's like, sorry, you're going to make it illegal to have five pot plants? And then what? Like, <laughs> then right. what? You're going to... And then what? Are you going to, are you going to seriously like check like my let's say my dad's basement like my dad doesn't smoke pot but let's say my dad who's obviously white like because i'm super white but like you're gonna check my dad's basement or or no are you gonna have a a quote-unquote gangs and guns raid and then you end up like busting someone who's got five pot plants and then you're gonna arrest them because you found five pot plants while you're also just going door to door and raiding people in rexdale right like exactly (laughs) that's obviously how it's gonna shake down but uh there's so much like there's so much that white canadians have to learn and have to have pounded into our heads to make us understand that that is what's happening so that we're not welcoming justin trudeau with open arms and instead we're saying what the fuck are you thinking like decriminalize decriminalize pot and that is a no-brainer and holy shit there is an epidemic of people dying from opioids can you also decriminalize those while we figure out how the fuck to fix that problem yeah but in the meantime justin trudeau just tells a lovely story about how he his brother got off of a criminal um criminal record because of his connections uh his you know well-connected white very wealthy family um, to a black man who's asking him these questions at the at this vice uh, town hall about it, and it's like, how fucking out of touch are you that you don't get how fucking offensive that is? What you just did, like he says uh, to this man, "Don't worry, we're gonna study it to understand how this affects people, and then and then we'll take action." You don't need to study it. We know how it affects people. You fucking arrest them. You interrupt their lives. You take people away from their families. You change their ability to enter the workforce. Like, we, we know how it works. It's mm-hmm. oh so simple. <laughs> God. And then you create a basic income, and then you implement it in Lindsay, Ontario, and so you miss, like, a bunch of people. <laughs> like Quite a few. And then you say, well, that'll solve the problem while all the prices of everything else is going up, and then... You say, well, you know what these people need? They should just go to school for free because school is free, except, oh, wait, it's not. And it's just like this giant cycle of stupidity because these are all schemes and not anything based off of principle or actually trying to change society for the better. Fuck liberals. No. 
No, and 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 it's it's uh, you know a point that you come back to a lot. Uh, it is it's the political currency of the Liberal Party, which is uh, a, pr- a progressive veneer built on attacking the poor. Mm-hmm. Like that is liberalism. It is we are progressive, and here are all these progressive things. While underneath the carpet, they are just making things worse and worse and worse. And and because social movements in the left is in such disarray. It's very difficult to talk about this stuff, and it certainly doesn't fucking help when people are like, yeah, free tuition, or yeah, basic income, as if like, as if we trust these people, which we absolutely cannot. So here's what we're hoping for from like other parties out there, or, you know, for the future somehow, is that people will just do what is obvious, which is to pay for these programs universally through... A progressive tax system. That's the only way to ensure that the people who have the means are paying what they're able to pay uh, for these programs that some people may need, some people may not, but they will be paid for through a progressive taxation system. There's no way to scheme your way around it on the back end through tax credits, through weird funding schemes, through really strange uh, eligibility criteria through like ballooning bureaucracies that are made to ensure that only these types of people are accessing and the program and not these types of people for Christ's sakes just make these programs universal and pay for it through a taxation uh, program the rich will pay more the poor won't pay and it'll work like it's supposed to fucking work you know it's uh yeah it sounds it sounds so simple and that's a I think all that needs to be said on this and because it is <laughs> i know i mean it's yeah obviously it's not but it is kind of like the principle is it it's, it it's is fucking simple yeah yeah it is it is and and th- and this is what people need to hear is that and i guess maybe it's too bad that it's right at the end of the podcast so if you aren't listening anymore sorry uh <laughs> that uh what we actually do <laughs> We ha- I know I'm, everybody's listening still <laughs> um, we have the solutions like this is simple stuff and it's complicated in their in their in in putting it into action but that's where you you know you you train people to be economists you train people to be engineers the progressive movements have to include all of these people because the solutions are simple it's and they're and they're at our fingertips we just need to have the people power necessary to struggle to put them into action and if we didn't struggle to get it it isn't a gift no never no politician has implemented something good out of the goodness of their hearts <laughs> i just don't i don't believe Ever. it <laughs> it's all from struggle <laughs>